Welcome to the Western Revolution Show, the show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporeau. What's good, revolutionaries? It's Wednesday. You got six days before you have to uh, hopefully go out and vote. I know many of people here in New Orleans have done their civic duty and gone out and exercised their most righteous, righteous opportunity to really be revolutionary here in our country, the right to vote. And we know that that right to vote across the country has tried to be stymied by folks, but hopefully you have gotten out or are going to go out and do what you need to do to exercise your voice. And so as we do every week, we bring outstanding guests on the show to make sure that our conversation is relevant, that it is optimistic, that it shows us our way. And every now and again, I am fortunate to bring on a person that I admire, uh, a person that I love, a person that I know, I've known for a number of years, who is a leader. And you know, it's funny when you say leader, we think of, of leaders who are older, that have been seasoned, that have gray in their beards, but not this young brother. This young brother, I met him a, a number of years ago and just had that spark, that, that charisma, the leadership that I saw, you know, early on. So I, I began to call him Senator. You know, I said, you've got, you've got a way about yourself, dear brother, that I know down the road we're going to see you doing big things. So, he has begun that journey. And so today I invite my good friend, my Kellogg alumni, Ethan Ashley, on the show with me. Dear brother, how are you? Man, I am I am doing good. And, uh, man, I just want to thank you for the opportunity, Dr. Corporal. It's always good just to hang out with you and uh, spend time with you. And, you know, I've been following the, the work that you've been doing, man, and I, I just I speak for, I think, everybody in saying thank you. You know, I think you rarely get to hear that. So I'm going to start with a thank you, and then I'll, I'm going to do a quick edit. I'm, I'm getting some grays now. <laughs> I just want to let you know. <laughs> yeah, you're getting, you getting some gray, huh, bro? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a little, just a little bit. Not, not, little not, not, I'm not bro. all peppered up like you. You, you know, you got the seasoned, uh, beautiful look, bro. Right. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I think you first, the first time you saw me with my gray, you were like, man, uh, the most, what is it, with the most what? what What's the Dos Equis commercial? Yeah, yeah, the most the most interesting man <laughs> the in, in most, the world. Exactly, you got the most interesting man in the world. Yeah, Look, no I doubt. Love I love I I love this beard, man. It has changed my life, man. It, it, it's changed my life. It's interesting. Just to caveat one second, Ethan. You know, tomorrow starts uh, Movember, and it is something that we <laughs> we as men of color haven't really talked about. But prostate cancer and testicular cancer and mental health and well-being and suicide prevention is something that we need to make sure that we talk about uh, in communities across the country, and particularly with communities of color. Because prostate cancer, uh, Ethan, as you you know, uh, are well aware of, is more aggressive in, in men of color. And we actually need to make sure that we are aware and that we're talking about that, that we're actually going to get checked to make sure. Because if prostate cancer is caught early, Ethan, it is one of the most curable forms of cancer. And so, you know, the gray, I'm going to shave, shave the beard down as low as I can tonight because I can't go back to the turtle look. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't go back. I'm going to shave it down as low as I can, and then I'm going to grow this beard for Movember, to, you know, to, to support, uh, you know, their their charity. You know, Movember is the largest men's health charity in the world, and they are really doing some great work here in our community, as you know, um, around the Making Connections work in St. Rock, 
working with Kalala Collins and the Making Connections work over there. So, you know, this might be your opportunity to grow that grow that full beer that you've been trying to grow, Ethan. Oh man, listen, I was you must have been with me earlier because <laughs> I was just talking about my struggle on trying to grow this beard. Right. And if and anybody knows uh there is a sacred bond between you and your barber and in my barber, Jonathan Lewis, uh out of in my in, in my master's hands, uh also Elysian Fields, man, I, I tell him all the time, man, I'm trying to grow a beard like him. And uh <laughs> I have some spots. That's just not going to work. It's just not going to look good. Right. Uh, so I just want to let you know, if you see me on the struggle, don't judge me. No, nah, no shame there, brother. No, no shame whatsoever, man. Um, it's just, it's just, you got to, as they told me when I was first start growing this, this first beard, you just got to let it grow, you know. And what I understand, vitamin B, beard oil, and some beard balm, you know, taking care of yourself will help help you grow this full, lively, lively beard that I've got now. You know, you know. Shout out to uh, shout out to HBC and the the pre-show motivation that gets gets a brother ready to go. So appreciate you, HBC. Appreciate you, Ethan. Man, you know our time is going to run short, brother, as it always does. But I got to ask you. You know, you've been on the show but once before, but this is your time. What's your revolution, brother? Oh man, that's such a great question. Uh, I, you know, my revolution is to ensure that we are creating and leaving, uh, creating a better tomorrow and leaving this world in a better place than which, in which we found it. And so every day I am fighting and thinking about ways to empower our young people, uh, because at some point in time they will be in a position to hopefully hire us in our older age yeah, and also, uh, lead us in ways that we have never seen before. And so, um, you know, I try to give them as much as I can, as often as I can, everything that I got, because I remember what it was like to be a young person uh, looking for uh, as much advice as I could get, as much love as I could get, and, you know, having young brothers uh, in, the, in the community like uh, Dr. William Franklin, who's the, who happens to be the, the vice president of, of Dominguez, uh, Cal State Dominguez, uh, and in Carson, California. Right. He was my first mentor. He took me to Howard and, you know, but for brothers like that who didn't, you know, it's not a blood relative, but he was, he is family. Uh, you know, I, as a young person, you know, I, I went to Howard when I was, I was 16. Right. So, you know, Prodigy. I met the brother when I was 15. Right. So, but without his guidance as a young person, you know, I'm not sure if I'd be sitting on the show with you or, or, uh, be sitting on the school board and, be, and, and, and have the opportunity to be, uh, hold the title of, of being the youngest elected official in New Orleans. Right, right. And that, and that's, that's what we're going to get to, brother. I met your mentor, uh, you know, and we've talked about that at length a, a number of times, how good that brother was and is, you know, and, and he spoke so highly of you as a young man coming out of, you know, coming out of, uh, um, California and the things that you were doing and showing you the path. And we all need that, brother. And I want to give you, you said thank you to me earlier, Ethan, and I truly uh, appreciate that. And, you know, hashtag gratitude for that. I want to thank you um, for the work that you are doing for our children here in New Orleans. Uh, you have been a staple, a stalwart, uh, a revolutionary in your own right, ensuring that the voices of our children here in New Orleans are heard, that they are taken care of, and I know you believe in equity just as much as I do, dear brother, and that particularly when it comes around our young men who are struggling in so many instances, you are working hard, brother, so I appreciate you for all that you do here in our city, and even before the show ends, I want to wish you good luck in whatever endeavors that come before you, because you 
you are our generation. You are, are that person that we believe in to make sure that we are led and that we have people behind us who are going to be the next leaders and the next generation that will keep us, as you said, that will hire us, <laughs> you know, in our old age. Um, <laughs> Ethan, you talked about your role on the school board, um, and I want to talk about that. You know, brothers in elected positions is so critical during this period of time. What made you want to get into politics? Man, I, so I, it's a, it's a, there's a, there's many, I think, facets to the story. I can start with uh, when I was a young person, uh, I found myself handcuffed at the local police precinct. Mm. My mother had caught me stealing, and she was convinced that she was going to scare me straight. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful that she did. Uh, and it was a time where, you know, I grew up uh, on Section 8 housing, uh, on on all kind of government assistance. And, you know, it, it, I, I didn't know my father, uh, and my mother was raising three boys. Uh, my, my stepfather had divorced my mom, and, and so she was, you know, found herself, you know, doing stuff that, you know, she didn't expect to do. I mean, she had done it right, got married, had kids. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, at the time, you know, I was young, and I didn't understand very clearly, like, how am, why am I being criminalized for, you know, growing up without me. Right. And, you know, it wasn't like I was in heaven asking to be, you know, Jesus, mm. please give me the poor family. You know, I, you know and, and I think about that with all young people. You know, we have to keep in mind that young people didn't ask to be birthed into this world and certainly didn't be asked, didn't, wasn't, you know, asking to be birthed into whatever circumstance that they find themselves in. And so, you know, I think in that moment, man, I, I really wanted to be able to change laws uh, relative to ensuring that we are taking care of, taking care of, excuse me, the least among us, and and that that really motivated me, man. I was really excited, and I you know I started going through school relatively early. That's right. Uh, I had the opportunity to work for a congresswoman who's reclaiming her time. Yes, she is. Uh, yes, she is. Yeah. Auntie Maxine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Auntie Maxine, man. She uh, was very uh, influential in my life, and and actually the the brother who was her chief of staff, uh, Mikhail Moore, was actually the most influential in my life because he's the brother that, that actually found me on Howard University's campus in my political theory class by Dr. Nanaji Jackson uh, and, you know, took me and, and allowed me to intern with, uh, with the congresswoman uh, and paid me while I was uh, in school and, right. and then allowed me to, uh, and then, you know, have the congresswoman uh, graciously uh, offered to write me a letter of recommendation, and I think the rest, uh, in, in in large respects, is history about you know my 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 influence into policy and in law. And so, uh, after you know finishing law school, I came to Louisiana uh, and and set roots and started doing criminal justice work. And I used to represent young people who were sentenced to die in prison. Uh, many folks know that uh, this is work that Brian Stevenson, right, exactly, uh, who uh, of Equal Justice Works has has been on his uh, crusade. That they believe this is this brother's re- revolution, and I happen to step into the circle in space and, and try to uh, you know offer my creative juices to it. And so I did that work, and you know anybody that's done any work around criminal justice, uh, you know at some point in time. You're going to be faced with education as being, you know, a big barrier exactly. to why young people find themselves um, in the, the the criminal justice system. And so I started, you know, I found myself wanting to and yearning to work uh, on the front end of the school to prison pipeline work, and I jumped in education. 
and I started doing education and going to education and school board meetings, Bessie board meetings. Uh, and, and then I, you know, I, I, I can't tell you that I had the bug at that time to run, but I will tell you the story as to why I actually ran. Uh, and, you know, I don't think I've ever actually publicly told this story you before. Tell that but, story. You know, to you, brother, I'm going to tell it to you. Um, there is a, a, a young brother named Adrian Morgan who yeah. passed away. Yes. Uh, and he happened to be, uh, the, uh, the leader of the Algiers Charter Schools Association, uh, network on the West Bank. And this brother would see me, uh, every, every school board meeting. He would come up to me and say, you know what? Where do you, he first asked me, where do you live? And I told him where I lived. He said, I think you live in District 2. And he said, you're going to be my, my next school board member. <laughs> every time he'd see me at every meeting, he would tell me, you're going to be my next school board meeting member. And then after a while, he just started calling me school board member Ashley. There you go. And, uh, you know, the, prophecy. The, was right in the last moment, the last conversation I had with Adrian uh, before he passed away, uh, he had been uh, let go from um, the Algiers uh, Charter School Association Network. And, he, you know, I was, I was calling, I was just checking up on him. How are you doing, brother? And this brother joked with me and said, look, now I have some time. I can be your campaign manager. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. And uh, that was the last conversation I had with this brother uh, before right. he, uh, he left this earth. And, right. um, and I felt it necessary to pay homage to his, yeah. uh, to his, 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 his memory, uh, right. to, to offer myself up. And, and I, I give that story because as much as I, in my heart, wanted to serve, I also needed encouragement from brothers like Adrian, brothers like yourself, uh, brothers like who, who, you know, a dear brother of ours, Royce Duplessis. Yes, he is. You know, just gives given, you know, support to say, you know, you could do this, you would serve well. And, and, and then, you know, graciously, you know, I was, I was involved uh, locally uh, and, and with the Fairmont um, Park, with the association, with the local association, and, you know, I had the opportunity to have some support there. And, you know, I, I just, I, I started, I put my hat in the rink, and, and I guess the rest is history, but it really started with, with that, with Brother Adrian Morgan speaking to my life and uh, allowing me to have the confidence to, to serve. Right, no, and uh, I remember when Brother Adrian passed, it was right before, I think, your birthday a couple of years ago, and you made sure that you paid your homage to him. Um, and we, we all need that influential person to get us out of our comfort zone, you know, to push us, to give us the courage, uh, to make sure, as I think about Brene Brown's book about daring greatly, you know, and getting past the the sh potential shame that maybe ha that we have to do something to step out because running for office is to me Ethan one of the most courageous acts that you can do right you're putting yourself on display and we know in our current time you know in our current temperature in our current culture you are scrutinized right every aspect of your life is scrutinized. And so to me, it is one of the most courageous things that you can do as a person, as a leader, is to run for office because you are putting yourself on display for the world and saying, I'm here for you to look at me to say, can you serve me? But in that, Ethan, I mean, the, the, the analysis that goes in and the painful, painful analysis at times, um, you have to have an armor of steel 
of platinum, every some of the hardest metals in the world to run for office. So I applaud you and everything you're doing. So let's let's think about this. Put it back in our, our current climate. Why is it so important right now for us to be so civically engaged? Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful beautiful question, and you know the complete answer uh, is is can be summed up in in a, a few words. In that, you know, there is no greater time in, than this uh, to find ourselves uh, in a moment where we can ultimately change the trajectory of the livelihood for all Americans, and our vote is our voice. And our voice needs to speak loud, particularly in this time where hate uh, has taken over. Uh, it seems uh, not just pervasive, but it seems almost uh, as if it is a part of our daily lives at this moment. Uh, and we know that hate in itself cannot be driven out by hate. Right. It has to be driven out by love. And so how we choose to show up uh, is hugely important. And our voice uh, must be uh, very clear. We cannot, in this moment, uh, be, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, we cannot be in this moment uh, discouraged by the times in which we are living in. We must be motivated. Uh, and, our, and our motivation cannot simply be to show up on social media platforms and speak. No, our, our our speech is most powerful in the form of a vote. Yes, it is. Uh, vote must must matter, and so I think in this moment, you know, I'm telling folks uh, in the wake of of what has taken place uh, in Kentucky, uh, in the wake of what has taken place in Pittsburgh. Right. We know uh, there is no greater time for our voices uh, to be raised because there is no place for hate, uh, and in this moment. You know, we need to drive that hate out. Right. Our voice and our vote matter. Right. No, and, that, and you've put it in a very eloquent way, Ethan, that our vote matters and that we have this opportunity and we cannot squander it. It's really interesting, uh, dear brother. I was reading an article the other day and it really gave, it gave a, a depiction of where we are as a country from a statistical bar graph perspective. And we think that, you know, we're so, we're down the middle. We're right and we're left, like 50-50. Yeah. We're not, Ethan. We're not. There's only a small percentage of far right and far left, 6% on one side, 8% on the other side. But those, those percentages on either side are the ones that are actually driving the narrative. 25% of the country is politically disengaged. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing. But there's no narrative. So we have moderates, we have liberals, we have progressives, we have conservatives, right? But the far extremes are the ones who are creating the narrative and they're speaking loudly. We have to take over. We have to create the narrative, particularly for us as men of color, Ethan. What is our narrative as a part of this? Where do we come out, right? And I think that you've done a wonderful job speaking to that. But we have to get more brothers out there saying this is our narrative and this is why we're here because I'm, I, you know, I'm a fiscal conservative, but I'm a look, I am a social liberal, right? <laughs> you know, I'm an entrepreneur, right? Totally. Yeah, you got to be. Yeah, I totally I, understand it. right. I totally exactly. Understand exactly. It. But so where's that narrative that allows people to have a civil discord, right? 
to talk to each other, but not yell at each other. So it's so important. Ethan, you, you talked about what happened in Pittsburgh. And uh, on the other side of who you are, you know, you work for the Anti-Defamation League. And I want you to speak somewhat to the work because we think about what happened in Pittsburgh. You know, our Jewish brothers and sisters gunned down, you know, hate. How How is the Anti-Defamation League really using their voice to make sure that all of Americans have an opportunity to voice? Because I know you, you work a lot around your passion, advocacy and policy. So tell us a little bit about that work. Yep. So, you know, the Anti-Defamation League, uh, which is a 105-year-old civil rights organization whose mission is to stop the defamation of Jewish people and to secure equal justice and fair treatment for all, you know, and during this time, you know, our, our main focus uh, was and has and will continue to be uh, trying to make sure that we are elevating the voices of those who were lost uh, and, and then, you know, create some form of healing within the community. Uh, and, and those are huge pieces to our work, and we want to acknowledge uh, those folks who were lost. I mean, that's, that's hugely important. Um, but we also need to acknowledge that there's data that shows that we're on an, we're on an uptick, right? There has been, uh, you know, since 2017, there's a 57% increase uh, in anti-Semitic uh, incidents in our country. And that's, that's, that's huge. That's, that number is astronomical. And, you know, we think about the way nationally when we think about the, 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 the push for uh, forms of equity and justice, you know, we, we, we lost, we, we, we've lost people. And so this idea that, you know, we can wait to vote or wait to show uh, our energy or, or, or how we show up, this is really life or death. Yes, it is. And Say it again, think, Ethan. Say, I think people need to hear that. Say it again. You know, this is life or death. This is life for, or death. For, for all of us. And it's not until your community or your family is touched by it that we seem to want to jump up and, and, and really show up. But I, I want to acknowledge in this moment why I work for the Anti-Defamation League and our, our, our brilliant CEO uh, and national director, Jonathan Greenblatt, has been uh, on every national media syndicate talking about uh, those who uh, were, were lost and how the community will continue to uh, purge forward and how we, as the Anti-Defamation League, will ensure that we are moving uh, things forward around policy and advocacy. I want to acknowledge our partners, our friends, our family, uh, those who are, are outside of the Jewish community but have stepped up and added their voices, their names to uh, this issue. Uh, and, you know, you have folks uh, across the, you know, the, 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 the illustrious, um, you know, six, as they like to call it, um, in that the National Urban League, uh, the National Coalition of Black Civic Participation, LDS, uh, National Action Network, you know, the NAACP, the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, you know, they had a joint statement that was beautiful, just beautiful. Uh, and I'll make sure that I send it to you uh, so you can send it out to folks. Uh, but, you know, it, it, is, it is in times like this uh, 
to uh, to be clear, we are much stronger together, and we are in this together. And that, and while it, it, it while it is the Jewish community on Saturday, right during Sabbath, you know, it was the African American community the Wednesday before in Kentucky. Right, exactly. So you know, we got to be very clear that it's not just uh, one community. You know, we are seeing. Uh, the proliferation on otherization in ways that mm, we've never seen before. Right. And we need to ensure that we are not just securing our own families, our own communities, but we are speaking up uh, when we see inequality across the board for everyone. And our, our leader uh, in Jonathan Greenblatt is making sure that we are doing uh, the work around coalitions, and, and, and you know, I, I think the best thing that we could say is that we're gracious, we're thankful, but this is a tragedy uh, that in itself uh, is not something that we hold alone. This is a tragedy that all America has to hold, and it's a tragedy that we will continue to hold until we are able to fight out and, and fight against hate. And that is ultimately what we're seeing with these anti-Semitic and racial uh, shootings uh, that has been taking place. Right. Right. Ethan, it's, it's a it's a troubling time that we live in. And that's why you said it's life or death for us in this voting cycle. And, you know, particularly midterm elections haven't seen the turnouts that we need, particularly for people of color. But I know I know people will be out, you know, getting and exercising their right to vote because we're struggling. I mean, we're struggling and hate. We feel like hate is winning. <laughs> we feel like hate is winning and people are dying. Dear brother, I appreciate the time with you. Um, you know, we said we would hold on if uh, our brother Royce Duplessis uh, was able to was late, but he actually showed up on time. <laughs> he actually showed. I, I, I expect nothing less from my. You know, he actually place. he actually showed up on time. So I want to say thank you to my good friend, school board member. Um, tell your title with the Anti Defamation League for me, Ethan. I am the state and local advocacy director on behalf of the Anti Defamation League. That's right. And this brother, look, I've known him for years. This is not the stopping ground for this brother. You know, under 30. If I, Are you still, are you, are you 30 yet, Ethan? No, I'm under 30. There you go. A couple more months. There you go. Well, I can't wait to celebrate with you. I appreciate your time, Ethan. Take care of yourself, brother. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. I uh, love you guys. I uh, love you, Royce. Talk to you guys soon. All right. You've been listening to the Western Revolution Show with Dr. Charles Corporate, my guest, Ethan Ashley. On the B side, I got my man, state legislature. Legislator Royce DuPlessis, District 93, if I'm correct, to join me on the other side. We'll talk to y'all. Peace. Paid for by the Jared Brotech campaign. I was just reading in the newspaper about how the clerk of court lost more than 100,000 records a few years ago. How can you lose 100,000 records? Girl, I know all about that mess. My sister got caught up in that nightmare. When Chelsea Napoleon was chief deputy clerk of court, over 150,000 mortgage records were lost. Uh-uh. And some first-time home buyers couldn't get loans. Uh-huh. I know, because my sister was trying to come back from Houston. They got caught up in so much red tape hassle for two years, girl, they gave up. 
That's a shame. It was a mess and a disappointment to a lot of people. It's all right there in the newspaper. You can read all about the whole fiasco, including the hundreds of thousands of dollars it cost to fix mm -hmm. Chelsea's failure. Mm -hmm. Lord, my sister and them hate it in Texas. I bet. And what's really a shame, that Chelsea Napoleon is attacking Jared Brassett to distract from our own record of failure as clerk of court. My mama always said people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Hmm. Girls say that. You want the best care for your child, right? Jolly Kids Academy is a brand new child development center located in New Orleans East. Your child will get the attention, focus, and learning tools he or she needs to excel for years to come. Every day is a fun day of learning at Jolly Kids Academy. Jolly Kids Academy also offers before and after school care. Limited openings, so reserve your spot today. Or schedule a visit by calling 504-266-2070. That's 504-266-2070. That's Jolly Kids Academy Child Development Center, located at 4949 Bullard Avenue, Suite C. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Dr. Takesha Charles Davis, President and CEO of the New Orleans East Hospital. Flu season has started and will last throughout the winter. Influenza is a very serious virus that kills over 36,000 people every year. It can cause a fever, cough, sore throat, runny nose, muscle or body aches, headaches, and make you very tired. If you think you may have the flu, talk to your doctor right away. It is extremely important to protect your family and keep yourself healthy during this year's flu season. Getting a flu shot is one of the safest and most effective ways of preventing the virus. So please get your flu shot today. The New Orleans East Hospital is now offering flu vaccines to everyone six months and older. Call the New Orleans East Hospital at 592-6600 or stop by our hospital clinic located at 5620 Reed Boulevard. New Orleans East Hospital, quality health care, close to home. You're listening to WBOK, New Orleans. Welcome back to the Western Revolution Show with Dr. Charles Corpru. Again, I want to thank my good friend, city council, city school board member. <laughs> I got to get that right. Maybe that's the next stop for him, city council, uh, school board member, Ethan Ashley. W.K. Kellogg fellow alum, uh, he's doing amazing things. And as usual, to follow behind him is like one of the more, you know, awesome people that I know. You know what I'm saying? One of my good friends, state legislator, representative. right? Re state representative. See, but, you're not but you, you, you were technically correct. Yeah. State legislator, but representative just wanted to be specific. There you go. That is yeah. state rep state representative, right? Royce Duplessis. This one? This one right here. There we go. All right. Hey, that's why we love jazz, right? <laughs> that, that, that's why we love jazz. Jazz is my man. Shout out to him. Um, District 93, right? District 93. There we go. District best, 93. Best district in the state. There you go. There yeah, you go. But, but just another note, it takes awesome to know awesome. So just want to Oh, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. I, I definitely, definitely. No, I appreciate def you, brother. No, look, I'm, I'm humbled by all of the youth coming behind me, <laughs> you know, doing, doing amazing work. Royce, you've been on the show, man, but last time we were talking about, you know, just being a dad. 
you know, and congratulations to you. Thank you. Your your baby's five months old. Already. Right. Um, Already five months. Unbelievable. Right? Yeah. Almost two years into the marriage. Yeah, November makes two years. Yeah, see, I, I, I try to know these things. Bro. Man, you are on it. Yeah, I'm trying, you know. That's all I got. This <laughs> <laughs> is my memory. Uh, this brother's doing amazing things. If you don't know Royster Plessis, I'm sure Royster Plessis' name here in New Orleans is amazing. But the people who listen around the, the country and around the world don't know as much about Royster Plessis. So I want to get them to know you a little bit more. So tell us what your revolution is, brother. Wow, you always you always hit us yeah, smack man. square like no <laughs> getting around it. No, not at all. Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. I, I certainly do. You know, for me, Doctor Corporu, and I I, pre I appreciate the question honestly because it's something we have to always ask ourselves. For me, my revolution is every day waking up and living with a renewed sense of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And ground, trying to ground myself in gratitude and gratefulness just for the opportunity to experience this thing called life. Now, I know that seems philosophical, but I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. No doubt. If we start with gratitude, then I believe it's our obligation to share in that, in sharing that experience and recognizing all that we've been blessed with to try to make life better for others and for those around us. So the reason I think it's a revolution is because it really requires constant recommitment because this world, if you look at the news and if you just see what's going on, it is it seems like I say it seems it seems like this world is on a constant mission for you to not recognize right. how blessed we are. Yes. Because of all of the dark things that we're witnessing right now. So that's why I believe it's, it's revolutionary just to live with an attitude of gratitude. And I think sharing it with others to be a spark of inspiration, to be a spark of encouragement, to be a spark of motivation, to try to to try to make life better for other people and to empower other people uh, to have a better life and to recognize their own power. I, I, I believe that's revolutionary. Yeah, no, we have to. And it's, it's hard, you know, as Ethan said in his conversation, we are at a time where our vote is really a matter of life and death. Right? I agree. We have gotten to a point where daily we're seeing the atrocities of hate that are ravaging our country. But on the flip side of that, there are opportunities to be grateful. I watched um, – it wasn't even I watched. I saw a picture of a young mother who was in a waiting room um, filling out paperwork with her young son. Mm -hmm. And there was a white man holding yeah. her son, yeah. right? That's right. Right. And so there are opportunities, like you said. We have to, we have to show the gratitude – for that. Yeah. Right? And, and, and be constant symbols uh, to remind one another of our humanity mm -hmm. and, of, and, and to be constant symbols of hope. Right. You know, so we have to we have to we ha if 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 we don't see the light, then we just have to be the light, Man. you know, and, and that's that's just what I believe, you know, and, and, and as long as I'm blessed enough to, to live in this life, I'm not going to say that every day is going to be perfect because it's far from it. And every day is going to come with its challenges, yes, it is. especially in the line of work that I've chosen to enter into. But if I don't if I don't hold on to hope, if I don't hold on to gratitude, then 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 then. You know, what's what's the point? Then what's, we're then we're in bad shape at that point. Right, so, exactly. So exactly. we have to be we have to be beacons of hope and and hope that you know we can we can see the good in one another and and bring out the good in one another right. because because it, you know 
what we're seeing right now, unfortunately, you know, there isn't enough of it. No, no. And so um, I know you've heard at length my gratitude towards you. And, and, uh, and look, brother, it's mutual. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me, I it's mutual. It. I appreciate it. You're doing amazing things. So as you lead, as you lead us, um, lead New Orleanians, how do you take that gratitude into your work? Well, lead is, uh, is, is, is the operative term there. And being in this new position of leadership, I say it really starts with listening mm. and, and learning. So I'm, I'm willing to be led because I don't have all the answers. So whatever issue that we're dealing with, and we have several, several crises in this community that, and challenges that we have to overcome, I, I can't present myself as, as a know-it-all. At least I try not to. You know, I want to offer up my experience and, and my expertise on what I think could be a best practice or a best solution to deal with some of the social ills in our community. But I'm also willing to be convinced on a better route. I'm willing to have a difficult conversation with somebody who I don't agree with and, and, and try to find a middle ground, you know, and try to find a way that we can we can make some some cha some change happening. Uh, I just spent about the past six hours in a mediation. I'm an attorney by trade and. I was part of experiencing a process of two different sides go back and forth on what they thought was the right resolution. You know, and I think that we need more well-intentioned um, we need more well-intentioned leadership that's willing to look at things from all angles to get to the right outcome. And, you know, I think that's that's just more of a style, if you will. Right. Uh, but in terms of what, what, what I think I bring other than that substantively, you know, is 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 just an experience of working in and around government, having a genuine passion for changing policy that are going to affect, positively affect those who have been historically oppressed in our community, you know, and, and, and that's, that's really what I bring, a genuine desire to serve. So, you know, I call it servant leadership. Yeah, I saw that, you know, that was the theme of my campaign, and that is the theme of everything that I do. So it's not just about leadership, but it's about le le leading with a purpose of service right. and restoring service to public service because that's truly what it is and what it should be and really restoring the honor to public service. I, I don't even like to consider it. I mean, it's all political. I get that, but I, I don't – I never really looked at it as, as politics. Right. It's, it's really public service. Right, exactly, and we have to think about the variety the the varied op opportunities for public service politics being one of those just one aspect just to it. one aspect of it but still when you when you're thinking about policy and policy advocacy you know I think about the marrying of Ethan's work and the work that you're doing you're in that role where you're creating you have the ability to create policy right and as I think about it, as I sit here on on the table yes on two right this is this is a policy right yeah that has been oppressive. That's right. Right. For generations. That's right. Right. And for those of you, I'm sure everybody in New Orleans knows, but um, there are only two states in the country, Oregon and Louisiana, that have uh, where the policy is, the law is, is that you do not have a you do not have to have a unanimous jury to send someone to jail. Correct. Right. Correct. Uh, we are one of two states, as you pointed out, but I'll, I'll take it a step further that Louisiana is the only state mm. where. Less than 11 jurors can uh, can can disagree uh, or, or or be re required to agree 
to to obtain that felony conviction in Oregon, it's eleven juror, eleven out of twelve. Right. So the bar in Louisiana is even lower, lower wow. right? So we're one of two states where there can be split juries, but we're only one where it can be less than eleven. So the the, the standard was lowered, the bar was lowered on something that there should never be any doubt about. That's why they call it beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. That being the highest standard of the law. When 12 people sit in a box and they go back into that room to deliberate, we've all, if we haven't seen it, we've heard the, of the movie 12 Angry Men, of the right. story 12 Angry Men. It's 12 people for a reason. It's not 10, it's not 11, it's 12. Because that is, that is the assurance that we're seeking a just outcome. So we do have an opportunity to change uh, a historically wrong uh, vestige of Jim Crow that has been on the books in Louisiana since the 1800s. And I I have to be honest, you know, I am just so, I felt so privileged and honored that um, to not only serve in this position as, as a newly elected member of the state legislature, but one of my first committee assignments, uh, I came in mid-session this, this past spring. One, one of my first committee assignments was on criminal justice. Mm. And one of the first votes I took was actually on this bill. Really? Which was authored by Senator J.P. Morrell. Yes. And it actually required a two-thirds vote of both bodies in order for it to be put on the ballot to be voted on this November. So I felt and still feel a great sense of pride just to have been able to vote for this. Although it's sad that we still even had to vote on it, it is a it is something that's long overdue. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. <laughs> Charles, Dr. Charles Gorbrew. <laughs> Thank you, Jazz. You want to take a break, Jazz? Oh, he wants to take a break. This is unusual. We're, we're going right. to take a break. Let's take a break. Yeah, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. the best care for your child, right? Jolly Kids Academy is a brand new child development center located in New Orleans East. Your child will get the attention, focus, and learning tools he or she needs to excel for years to come. Every day is a fun day of learning at Jolly Kids Academy. Jolly Kids Academy also offers before and after school care. Limited openings, so reserve your spot today or schedule a visit by calling 504-266-2070. That's 504-266-2070. That's Jolly Kids Academy Child Development Center located at 4949 Bullard Avenue, Suite C. We look forward to seeing you there. You're listening to WBOK, New Orleans. Welcome back to the Western Revolution Show. Um, and clearly, I'm I am the sheep here because I am I, I'm led <laughs> I am led by my producer. So um, I just want to say thank you, Jazz, for that that short break that we just had. That it was unannounced and unexpected. But you're my man, and, and I love you. Um, I am Dr. Charles Corper. This is the What's the Revolution Show. Sitting here with uh, State Representative District 93, Royce Duplessis, as we talk about. Unanimous juries, we talk about policy, we talk about his role as a father and husband. Here's a question for you, Royce. What's the pushback on this? It seemed like it should be a slam dunk. 
Yeah, I'd say largely, largely it, it, it has been. However, there have been there there isn't any mounted opposition, as far as I know. Right. So, you know that that's I guess a good thing. However, in in some quiet corners of the state, you know we we're learning about some of the folks that are out there that are opposing this, and. Um, you know, I think that it's just an indication of if anybody is in opposition of this, I think it is an ind- indication of the fact that we still have a ways to go in right. this state, unfortunately. Uh, I'm confident that it's going to pass. You know, I believe in, in, in speaking things into existence and there also working to get it done. But, you know, historically, the opposition has th- – th- their argument has always been, uh, I think, a faulted argument around – judicial efficiency mm. you know which i think is one of the worst possible arguments you can make when you're talking about getting to the right outcome exactly in in a criminal proceeding because you're dealing with someone's life you know it was efficient to uh, to lynch people you know but mm-hmm. uh, but 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 you're talking wow. about uh and i know that that's that's yeah. going there but i but that that's kind of the example you yeah. have to make you right. know if, if, if it's just all about getting convictions then uh we're, we're not going to promote a process that doesn't ensure fairness. So, you know, during the committee hearing, I, I mentioned there were only two two district attorneys who came out and formally opposed this, and they sort of acted in, independently outside of the the district attorneys association that took no position, right. which I think is indicative of how how you know how much this how much of a slam dunk this is. Right. So anytime that folks say no position that means it's clearly uh this <laughs> this thing yeah but but there's been a, a a huge broad coalition of folks that have come together people see the signs all over the city there have been all kind of events and there's a lot of enthusiasm and a huge effort to to get this thing to pass because people see on all across all political spectrums across all races across all demographics why this needs to happen, why it should have happened a long, long time ago, and why it should have never been the law to begin with. Right, right. Yeah. No, and we hope, and we, we hope, that's all we can have, yeah. hope that yeah. we can overturn this because we know the statistics, particularly for people of color in Louisiana and our uh, our oppressive <laughs> oppressive incarceration rate. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm sure you've had Will Snowden on the yeah, show uh, many times who right. has been just a truly uh, visionary and forward has thinker been. and leader. Uh, an outspoken voice on this issue. So, you know, he's he's kind of really been beating that drum for a long time. He's shown all the statistics. It's just something that needs to happen. Right. You know, and, 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 you know, we need to get this done and then moving on to continuing to improve our system. And you say that, and that, that allows me to segue to the next part of this conversation. You know, you in this role, and I want that's, that's why I was like, I have to have Royce on to talk about what it what it means for you to be one of our leaders here in Louisiana. What's next for you? What's what are some of the policy initiatives that you want to champion? Sure. That you want to get out in front that really says this is I this is Royce DePlessis's work. Sure. No, thank you for the question. And it's something that I have to continue to always ask myself. I think in anything that we do, whether we're in elected leadership or whether we're working in the private sector or um coaching kids in little league, whatever we do, we should always go back to why. And you know, I have to always go back to why am I doing this? For me, my main motivator is promoting equity. Our community for decades, for longer than decades, has been plagued with inequity, you know, across, you know, racial lines, you know, across uh, socioeconomic lines. And I want to promote a fair playing field 
One of the big things that I think we really have to focus on and look at is the issue around not just pay equity, but pay fairness and and, and a livable wage throughout our state and certainly in Orleans Parish. Louisiana is one of seven states in the country that does not have a minimum wage. We follow the federal guidelines, which is nobody can live off of. Uh, and, and, And getting to a place where we're having an honest conversation around the fact that if somebody works 40 hours a week, I don't care what your job is, I don't care, you know, at what level you are, if you work an honest week's work, 40 hours a week, you should be able to afford to live in the community in which you work. That is just a, a f- fundamental principle that I firmly believe in and something that I want to, to champion right. and, 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 and promote policies that move us in that direction because right there we're not there. The cost of living and the affordability in our community continues to rise, but wages are not continuing to rise with, with, our, with, with the cost of living. Right, and that's a struggle. I mean, yeah. we think about our precious demographic, yep. the people who serve. Yep. We know the tourism industry is, is one of the major fundraisers for the state of Louisiana. Yeah. But we see here, and New Orleans is that major attraction. It is. But if we can't keep the people who are are, are, are at the ground floor level in the city. Yeah. Right. And pay them. Yeah. Right. Think about that. Pay. I, I think about, you know, just let me tell one short story. I think about um, Felina, who takes care of my father, right, at 90. Right, who gets paid basically minimum wage to do do some laborious work to take care of my father, and I'm like, how can I supplement her income, right? right? Because she's doing a great service to take care of this 90 year old man. That's right. You know. That's and, right. And how how and why we don't appreciate people who are doing great services for no, our community? No question. It it. It bewilders me. It boggles my mind, Royce. And so I, I'm happy to hear that that's a part of your platform. That's a part of, like, making sure that we can keep our New Orleanians in New Orleans. That's right. It's really a matter of human dignity, you know, in my opinion. Uh, again, it's really not about your job title. You know, we. it's really about anyone. I don't care what you do. You know, whether you're you're cleaning floors or, uh, you know, cutting grass or or even running behind a garbage truck, everybody deserves an opportunity to take care of themselves and to live in a clean, healthy and safe environment. So, you know, people deserve to make a livable wage, period. You know, so um, I'm I'm, I'm with you wholeheartedly on that. That's a fight that we we really have to work hard on here in Louisiana because, unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of people see it differently for some for some strange reason. A lot of people see it differently. And. Representing a district that I represent, District 93, which hosts m- many of your uh, hotels and restaurants, your hospitality industry, this is a conversation that I have very often. The hospitality industry has has served New Orleans well. It certainly has, just from a just from the way that we're able to market ourselves to the rest of the world. Right. However, yeah. we cannot continue to be a city that re- relies solely upon hospitality uh, to be the to be the driver. Exactly. And and if if that's going to be the main driver. Folks have to be able to, you know, to make to make a fair and, and equitable uh, wage. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. So, what else is on your plate? I, I mean, that in itself could be a whole career. For sure. No, <laughs> you know, for, for sure. You, you hope that it's yeah, not. You yeah. hope that right. Yeah. Well, we, I want to continue to push us in the right direction on criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. We we passed as a state. I was not there, but the state passed uh, some sweeping legislation back in 2017 to move us in the right direction from being the world's number one incarcerator per capita, which we are no longer, but we still have a long, it's, it's, I really don't think 
we're at a place of celebrating. We still have a lot of work to do around making sure that our our laws are fair and just and, right. that, and that they make sense and not just punitive. So that's an area I want to continue to push in. But I also want to uh, be a, be an advocate around the area of mental health. Mm. You know, that's something that you and I talk yeah, a lot about, uh, about self-care. Right. Exactly. Trying to remove the stigma. Advocating for more funding to be added to the budget so that we have people in our community that can access uh, mental health services. Yes. You know, yes. just like we advocate for uh, physical health treatment, we should be also advocating for mental health treatment yes. in our yes. community. People no. are suffering uh, through with trauma and all kind of other uh, mental issues that we should not be getting away, that we should be fighting much harder for to ensure that people have the services that they need. So that's another area that I'm going to be spending a lot of time focused Man, on. You know, and look, look, big claps, <laughs> yeah. big, big claps to that. Cause you know, that is something that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, when it comes to boys and men of color, our that's men, right. you know, and really our mental health, the challenges and struggles that we face, uh, the PTSD that, that goes undiagnosed, depression, anxiety, um, schizophrenia is interesting. My cousin, um, you know, who is who is battling schizophrenia and his vulnerability that actually comes along with it mm. is amazing that mm. for him to be out and tell the world that I'm a schizophrenic and then to really address it. But where, you know, where's that help? Where's the services? Where's the de-shaming right. that comes along with saying that I have some mental health issues that I'm dealing with? Right. And I love that that's a, a champion cause of yours in any way that I can help you be an advocate, to be a poster holder, to be you, what, you, whatever you, you, I need are, to you're be. You're already doing it, brother, just, <laughs> just giving us the opportunity, just doing this show. You know, you being a leader and just nobody told you you had to. You, this is something you decided to do. Yeah. And this is something that you're committed to doing, and it gives – people like myself, people like Ethan, and other people in the community to have an opportunity to have a platform to come and talk about these right. these areas that are important. So you're already doing it and more, you know, just through your that. just through your work. I'm trying, brother. You're but, doing it, you brother. Know, any 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 opportunity that I can have to use this platform for you and your work, Ethan's work, all the brothers I know are doing good things. I want that that was the impetus for this show, to be able yeah. to highlight the brothers who are you know on the on the fight on the ground right yeah. you know boots like i'm i'm fighting here's your platform and i just want to be the conduit in that you know and i want to say you know as as the show actually begins to come to a close you know just thinking about where we've been man, and and seeing you know, meeting as we saw uh, with the Silverback Society. Man, yeah. that was that. I, look, I, I still think back to that. That must have been about six years yeah, ago yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. We were over at uh, at Harney. At I Harney, say. exactly. Yeah, yeah working and, with those young young men. Right, guys. and yeah. to have built this friendship and this relationship, I'm. You know, we talk about gratitude and continued blessings to you and gratitude for you and your leadership and and what and what we're doing. Here in New Orleans, I just want to, you know, be able to watch that. I want to be, I, I, I want to be on the sidelines when I can. I want to be in a fight when I can, you know, to help you do what you need to do because November sixth is coming. It's right? here. It's right. I mean, it's here. Yeah, it's yeah. Here. Early voting has already ended. This we have to vote. Right. We got to do it. Right. We yeah. have to. You and know? We, like you said, it's life or death. It really you know, is. It, it's life it or really death. Is. So we employ everyone. If you haven't voted early, go out and vote next week. You know, make your voice be heard because it is time for us to take back 
you know, sanity. Take back sanity. <laughs> to provide love and not hate. Yeah. Want to give a shout out to Ethan Ashley. Want to give a shout out to Kendall the Jazz Williams, who likes to take breaks in the middle of my show. Oh, <laughs> uh, but he's my man. He takes care of me. He John, came and opened John the door Slade for me. is in I the house with outside, us. So. Gratitude for him, dear brother. You've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corpru. Every week, 3 p.m., you can check us out on SoundCloud.com, backslash What's Your Revolution, and well on Apple Podcasts, What's Your Revolution with Dr. Charles Corpru. We will see you next week. Make sure you go out and vote. Peace, everybody. Take care.